Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Ooh, my next guest. Every time I bring him on, I just get goosebumps and chills thinking about how much he's going to impact your world. He's not only my friend, but he's also my mentor and my coach. He's done so much for me in the past, I don't know, I think it's been 10 to 15 years. And recently, he's on a new journey with a brand new company, which we're going to talk about. And I'm so, so proud of him. You're going to love him. His words of wisdom, you can apply immediately to your life today. Small little things to have a huge impact. Did I tell you I love this guy? I mean, he's just the real deal. There aren't many people that I would want to be my coach slash mentor, but Matt Labosco is one of them. I just want to say hoochie mama, which is what I say when I get really excited. But before we go, thank you again, my Let's Keep It Real people. I'm so grateful for your support and the outpouring of people you're sending to me with the opportunity for keynote speeches and workshops, which you know I'm back out there doing and loving it, and my coaching clients, and my books are doing great, and the schools. So keep it coming. And you know we really appreciate it when you share, like, and rate this podcast. Enjoy. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. My Let's Keep It Real people, it's been way too long. I don't know, Matt's been very busy, you know, starting a new business or something, but we got him back, we got him on, and I'm so excited to have him. But before we get into our conversation, and you know it's going to be a good one, let me tell you a little bit about what he's been up to. Matt, my friend, my coach, my mentor, is the founder of Vitality Program and co-founder of Arena Method. Love the name. He has been teaching, coaching, mentoring, and supporting individuals for are you sure you're this old? All over the world for the last 20 years in fitness, nutrition, and mental well-being. He currently lives in Jupiter, Florida with his wife and two children and has a thriving coaching practice, teaches weekly classes virtually, and leads weekend workshops around the country. Yay, Matt! Yay, so great to be back. 2022, here we are. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. But before we get into it, one word best describes your Past 30 days. Past why? 30 days? Yeah, and why? Transformational. Okay, okay. Transformational. I have actually, it's kind of interesting, as you said, we've created these new courses uh, and we've been teaching these new courses in the ARENA method. And anytime I teach the course, I do a deep dive into the course with, my, with the class. And so I'm mm. like, I want to be in there with them you know? Yeah. And it has been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Learning a lot about them and you, huh? <laughs> no, it's been really fun to, to take the dive into, you know, have I done these, these practices that I'm teaching for many years? Have I done them in the sequence and intensity that we laid out in this class? 
probably not in the in the in the order in which I did it and the and the and the way we just structured it. it it's been an amazing uh, experience for me. You know, I always say I'm I feel like I get the most out of it when I teach. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's been a it's been so inspiring. It's been transformational, not only just you know, obviously the excitement of launching a new program and seeing the response we're getting and, and uh, what's happening for people. But honestly, it, like it's some incredible things that happened for me and my personal growth and just things I've become aware of with myself and, and et cetera. So it's been an awesome 30 days. You know, I'm so glad you said that because so many people that I talk to who want to be coaches or therapists or psychiatrists, they think they have to get fixed first, that they're so imperfect, they couldn't help people. And I think, uh, I think that's backwards. Yeah. I mean, to me, and you know, we, we have a, we have our arena Academy too, and we, we teach people how to hold space for coaches. And we have about 18 people that we're taking through it right now. And literally one of the first things we talk about with them is the deeper you dive into yourself, that's where the capacity is going to be to serve others. Because if you haven't take, if you haven't taken the dive, if you haven't navigated the things inside of you there, that's where you build the capacity. It's not about the technique. It's not, to me, it's not about learning a technique or learning a modality. I mean, I'm not saying those things don't have place. They're extremely valuable. Mm. But when I think about the people that have that are out in the world, creating the greatest influence and impact on other people, they're the people that have gone in at depths that few people go to. Right. Mm. And so go into that space within themselves and they figure out how to navigate their way out of it, so to speak, they have built a capacity with themselves to guide someone through that process. I agree. I agree. But you know what? I do, <laughs> I do find that many people, well-meaning people I meet, it's too difficult for them to go there. And it's so much easier for them to work with other people. For sure. For sure. You know, oh, and they just don't want to go there. Exactly. And, and again, I don't know, this may upset people if I say this. So, but hey, it's the Keep It Real podcast. So yes, let's keep it real, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can tell, I can speak to this directly because this is what I used to do. I was serving people okay. to create value within myself because of the things that I didn't address within myself, right? So I didn't want to go into those spaces where I felt insecure and so on and so forth and in a sense of despair or, you know, just whatever those feelings, those normal feelings, and I'm not going to get into where they come from right now, but but like everybody has them. Yeah. And, and one of the ways that I think people self-regulate these emotions, because it's all about regulation at the end of the day, is to serve other people, get value by helping other people. When I had my clinic in LA, this is where I lived. Like I literally would do anything to help people. That's all yeah, I did. And yeah. I would I would completely dissociate from what was happening with me to make sure that I was pleasing everybody, making everybody happy, making sure everyone was cared for. I don't need to eat today. Come in at my lunchtime. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll get up earlier. I'll stay late. Da, 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 da. And the breaking point for me was, and I'll never forget this moment where I was Matt, the, the, oh, he's the greatest. Come see Matt. He'll get you out of any pain you're in, back pain, shoulder pain, blah, blah, blah. Yay, Matt's, Matt's arrived. But the, the experience I was in of all that emotional turmoil that I was running away from was only getting worse 
And there was this incredible pressure to make sure you're meeting all these needs because that yeah. was the only way I could, I call it, get my hit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm valuable, I'm valuable, I'm needed, I'm wanted, I'm needed, right? And I never forget the moment where I woke up. Well, actually, I, I woke up, okay, with from the- I got that, ta-da! <laughs> woke up, right? And I realized I haven't seen my wife or kids in a week because I leave the house before everybody's awake and I get home when everybody's sleeping. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. This sucks. And I don't care anymore. Like it just came to this moment where those emotions just, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So intense. And I'm like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And that's when I started to go inside. Yeah. Really start to be like, what is what is happening inside that I keep running from using this modality called serving other people? So yeah, it's not easy. (laughs) It's uncomfortable, but yeah. You know, we've both been in the fitness world. You wouldn't hire a trainer if he's handing you three pound dumbbells to work with because you know you're not going to get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you got to find the threshold that's going to be a little uncomfortable, so on and so forth. So, anyway. Well, you know, you and I had a conversation, oh, I don't know, about a month ago about give receiving. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. since that, which is what we're talking about in a way, I okay. went on a journey and I was started asking different people about the concept of give, receive. And I had this amazing therapist on one of my live shows. And her theory was that if you only give, one of her theories is then you think everybody else needs fixing, but you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like what they're like, I'm good. I'm up here, but you need help. And I said, I believe we're going to talk about this. That's one theory one, but the other one is two, you don't feel like you're worthy of receiving. So I don't think it's just that simple. I'm not saying that's not one of them, sure. but another one is, you know, feeling, wow, you know, I deserve this, but, you know, and I'm capable of receiving. So how do you feel about that? And maybe there's more because I don't think it's that easy, but the biggest concept, and by the way, I gave you credit. I was talking to a healthcare profession and she teaches mindset and she was having trouble with giving. And I said, what you said about give, receive, that if you don't receive, you stop the cog and then you can't give as big as you want to go. It was way better because God took over divine intervention. And she said, (laughs) oh my God, I've been in this health profession forever. I teach mindset. No one has ever said that as eloquently that I understood ever in my life. And I said, and nor will I ever say it again, because someone took over my body and said, you needed it, but it was your words. So since then, everybody wants to hear about that. So please expand. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I think of it as like a, a, a universal principle. The best analogy that I have that I can relate to is try to only exhale today. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> it's not possible, right? You actually can't exhale unless you inhale. It, like, so you can't, you, and what are we doing? We're giving CO2. Like we're, we're, we're providing something to the universe and then we receive something from the universe with every inhale. And then we, we give and we receive. And that's the cycle. That's the way it works. It's, it's just the way it works. And so if you, if you try to interfere with this process, you're literally messing with the laws of the universe. Like you literally inhibit your ability to exhale out if you take shorter inhales in. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You're, you're handicapping your capacity to, to give. If damn you, selfish if people. You know, <laughs> huh? I said, damn selfish people. Well, and, and that was the, that was a key moment for me, Sandy. And I know we've had conversations about this, but I had to start to relate as selfish as not receiving. Oh, it's yeah. actually selfish to not receive, to not open my heart, to not take care of myself, so on and so forth. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because I don't have anything to offer. Yeah. And if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm basically saying somebody else will. To me, there's nothing more selfish than that. Oh, I'm going to take the one thing, the one thing on this planet that I am, can be completely accountable and responsible for. There's only really one thing, me, like yeah. myself. Yeah. Right. And so that the one thing that I'm actually responsible and accountable for, I'm going to defer it. Yeah. That's selfish. And these are the conversations. That's a big that one, Matt. That's a big one. We're talking about a takeaway. That's a huge one. And we didn't even plan that one. See, you never know. Ah, but that's true. Different way of looking at it. Yeah. And again, like it's not. And, and, and this was the and this has been the because I was definitely, you know, raised as you know, self-sacrifice, giving, yep. you know, offering and, you know, putting yourself flat, you know, like this whole idea and definitely had parents that gave everything to their yeah. kids. Yeah. yeah. They were the last on the totem pole. And so there was definitely a conditioning there. And so it took something for me to, you know, we'll call it flip this on itself. And it could not have been it's probably the one of the, the key pieces of uh, that's happened in my life that has made the greatest difference. And it was also one of the more challenging ones because selfishness was completely wired as taking care of myself, putting myself before others. Yeah. Yep. Um, but here's what I can tell you experientially through the process of doing this and making my self-care non-negotiable. Okay. I, I do position it as there's nobody more important in the world than me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm more important than my kids. Right. There's parents that just turned off your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> but like, but and what I mean by that is now, again, there's exceptions to everything. You know, if I'm, if I'm doing my meditation, I'm taking care of myself and my daughter falls and cracks her head. Honey, I'm taking care of myself right now. Deal with it. No, of course not. Like, I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about, like how, what I have to offer my kids today and who, and how I'm able to influence today versus 10, 15 years ago, not only is the impact exponentially greater, but I don't feel like I'm working really hard to do it. That's the mm. key difference. Yeah. Yeah. I was busting my, you know, what? like an, like a, like a crazy person to have the influence I was having at my clinic in LA. I was exhausted completely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel that way today. And I, and I know the, the impact that I'm able to have and the relationship I have with my kids, the relationship I have with my wife. And I am literally, my perception is I'm putting in maybe 25% of the effort, which is like, it doesn't even make any sense. And to me, that's the difference between accessing the power versus forcing your way to do stuff, muscling yourself through life versus tapping into yeah. the power that's there and, you know, getting into that flow. You know, Matt, that, that was one of the biggest questions that I had when I reached out to my listeners is my audience definitely are high achievers. You know, it's constantly, how can I be a better person? How much more can I do? You don't have to motivate them 
you mm-hmm. know, to move and do in the world. But I think the biggest challenge for so many of them is what you said. They feel that if they're not working 12 hours a day, you know, and staying up late nights, that they're not going to build the business they want. They won't be able to be the parents they want. Mm-hmm. They have to put in those hours. And I just heard yesterday someone say, well, you know, you are putting in more hours when you build a business. And, and that is true. But there is this extreme a mindset that it will not be successful unless I'm only getting a couple hours sleep. So how do you feel about that? I mean, I, here's what I can tell you from experience. This arena method that we just built, okay, literally from the idea of it to the inception of it was less than 30 days. Okay. And I'm, and again, obviously we leveraged 20 years of experience. Yeah. You're, you're bringing all of you to it. Sure. And like-minded people. Correct. And we were, there wasn't one day that went by during that period that I didn't get eight hours of sleep and that I didn't get my two hour workout in and that I didn't have dinner with my kids and that I didn't like, it didn't like literally it didn't exist because I understand at this point in time, and again, I'm I, talking about how to get there is another conversation. Yeah. But I understand that in order to execute at the level that we wanted to execute, people were convinced that we had built this for the last year. People were like, you guys have been working on this for the last year. There's no way you guys created this in 30 days. And I, I go, I understand that it seems that way. I get it. But, but it, honestly, Josh, my co-founder, and I literally met in November 11th. I remember because it's Veterans Day. And we had no, we had no even thought that we were going to build something together. We had a conversation in this office right here, and 30 days later, Arena Method was born, and we've got 100 people that we're taking through it, like just like that. Nothing was sacrificed through that process, yeah. Okay, because there was a foundation that was created that had been proven to me over the last 10 years called in order to execute at this level that I'm about to, that I'm about to demand of myself. I have like, these things are absolutely non-negotiables. Yeah. Yeah. Non-negotiables. Here's the, and I think I might even said this to you, Sandy. I can't remember when you asked me, how are you doing? You know, my best analogy, and this is what the analogy I would use to my, my high achievers that are convinced because I have plenty of clients that have this belief structure. They believe that the overwhelm and the drive and the anxiety, like they literally will say this to me is the thing that makes sure I get everything done, right? This is, this is what I've seen from those people. It would be like somebody who's been, who's built a a high capacity to run marathons, let's say like they, 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 they run marathons and they're doing it. And let's say they're getting above average uh, times. Okay. And they think the reason why they're running these good times in the marathon is because they have a 50 pound backpack on their back. They have yes. connected. The reason why I'm successful is this, this backpack I have on my back. They, they believe it. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so it's a matter of understanding like, like, and this was the thing that I realized and there's a process to getting yourself permission to put the backpack down. Okay. Like, so I'm not saying it just happens. But what happens is when you put that thing down, you don't realize you're carrying 50 pounds. Most, most people have no idea they're carrying 50 pounds until you put it down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're breaking world records as a marathoner. The problem with high performers, if if I was to say there's a problem, it's their biggest asset and their biggest liability, high performers, people that are achieving at a high level, they have the highest tolerance for stress. So they can run a marathon with 50 pounds. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but if, yeah. if they only just like would be like, listen, if you put that down, you have no idea what you'd be able to accomplish. And that's yeah. what I've realized in the last 20 years of my life. Like what I'm able to accomplish today, because I finally put that thing down, it, it, it doesn't even compare. I literally was saying to Eve, my wife, uh, I think it was this weekend. I go, babe, I don't feel like there, there's a part of me that, that where that old me comes up and says, I don't feel like I'm, I'm working hard enough. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know yeah. What I'm saying? It's like, too easy. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I get to sit with you and just sit here on the couch and do this. And I get yeah. to take the kids to school whenever I want. Like there's that still that part of me that's like, wait, something's wrong. Danger, danger, danger. But I know about that way of being. I understand it. I can have compassion for it. Right. I can accept it. And so yeah, I don't yeah. need to do anything about it. It's not a threat. It's just, oh, okay. Yeah. I know. Voice. It's fine. So I need your help on this one, Matt. So many people who tell me how anxious they are. They have anxiety. They're wound too tight. They overwhelm. They'll go, yeah, 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 but that's okay because that's how I get things done. And I, I had this one woman, I'm actually actually like, I don't want you to change that about me because if I wasn't high anxiety, I wouldn't be called to action as much. Whatever I said, it didn't work. I, I don't even know how to go with that. Please help me. Well. I guess the question I would ask somebody in that situation is what do you get out of getting things done? Why is it productive? Right. Right. So let's say you've achieved all the things, then what? Then you feel like you've made your debt for your business, your children. Great. So let's say you did all that. Then you feel uh, content, happy. Okay, great. The, the, the thing is to really, I don't know. I'm answering. I'm not, I'm just yeah, giving no, you some ideas. I got you, but that's where it's going to go. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the thing is what, what, what happens with people is they get caught up in the doing. We've all heard this and they're so consumed with the doing that they forgot where the destination is. They haven't named the destination. They don't even know where they're going. They're just running around. And the only thing they're using as a reference point to take action is pain. Their, their whole operating system is operating from a place of what do I need to do to eliminate this pain of this emotion, anxiety, mm. whatever, not feeling like I'm enough, you know, acceptance. What, I don't know. All mm. of the different things that people struggle with. And one of the ways to regulate those emotions, remember right, I was saying that everything's about self-regulation. One of the ways to regulate anxiety is to get things done. It's, it's a way of self-regulating themselves. So that's why someone's like, listen, you can't take that away from me. Don't you dare. Yeah. Because I won't be able to manage this. Like yeah. it's how they self-regulate. So one of the things that, that the conversation that you can invite them to, to, to have with you is, and some people are willing, some people are not like, like, Hey, yeah. That's, yeah. that's your thing. Great. Go for it. But <laughs> if, they're, if they're coming to someone like me, and, and looking for assistance, they're clearly there because there's something about their experience they'd like to change, yeah. right? So yeah. assuming someone's willing to do some actions here, but what I would say is, well, what is it that you're ultimately trying to accomplish through productivity? Because here's the unfortunate, well, I think it's a fortunate reality. Some people, in the, in, if you're driving with anxiety, it's unfortunate. There is to- no destination called, I've done all the things meaning there's always going to be more things. Mm. So it's a, it's a treadmill, like it never ends. So there is no destination is the point. 
And so if we can get them to say, well, what exactly, are, where are you hoping to land here? Let's, and that's why I say, well, let's say you did all the things, you accomplished all the things, you did it, it's over. Now what? Now what? Where, where are you? Where, where are you trying to get to? Where, where is the destination here? Most people, when I ask them, where do they want it? Like the destination, they don't know. They haven't named it because they're in survival mode. It would be like seeing somebody drowning and going up to them and say, hey, where do you want to go to dinner tonight? There's no ability to answer that question if you're drowning. You can't even name where you want to <laughs> I but, love your little analogies. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but think about it, right? Like someone's drowning. I got it. And you're like, hey, so what are you thinking about for dinner this weekend? (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? I love that. That's that's a good one. That's a good one, Matt. So like, so you have to one, first and foremost, it's actually super simple to step out of the experience of anxiety. It's actually not very complicated. I know where you're going with this, but please go there. Please go there. You know how, you know how, by the way, you could say something to your kid sometimes and they're not really hearing. And then the neighbor down the street says it and they listen. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm hoping go for it. I actually had a conversation with my dad once where I'm like, Hey, remember some of those things you've been telling my whole life? I I get it now. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, No, that's good. So please. So you have to understand what anxiety is, right? It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a response of the nervous system, right? It's an emotion. And there's this physiological response. Like we are, we are completely activated in fight or flight. Okay. So the brainstem is on, is on fire. Okay. Right. There's those three parts of the brain, the brainstem, the midbrain, limbic system, and then you got your neocortex, right? The brainstem is about 250 million years old. The midbrain uh, limbic system is about 150 million. And the neocortex is like two to three million years old. So which one do you think has the greatest influence on programming our, our operating system? We had to update that technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see what I'm saying? So, so we're talking about tens of thousands of years of evolution that you're not going to overcome. You're not going to override this. Right. Yeah. So when the brainstem is activated because it perceives a threat, okay, um, there th- th- we what we have to do is we have to do things that address the the brainstem, the primary functions of the physiology in order to turn that off. It's what we refer to it as a bottom-up driver. To go to somebody who's anxious and say, hey, it's okay, you're fine, you're fine, that can be helpful. But that's more of a cognitive approach, meaning you're going from the top down. You're going from the neocortex down. Okay. Okay. That, that can be helpful. But if you can combine the two, do something that addresses it from the bottom up and the top down, you have a better chance of regulating and switching that off. Okay. So I just, I'm explaining this to you, to, to you and the listeners, because the technique is something I'm sure people have, have heard before. Okay. I'll give you a couple little nuances to the technique, but it's important to understand why you're doing it. It's not magic. Yeah. Yeah. It actually follows what's happening physiologically with us. And so one of the things the brainstem regulates is breath. It's one of its primary functions because the brainstem basically it's in charge of anything that has to do with survival. So breathing is one of those important things, right? Mm. 
amongst other things too, uh, heart rate, so on, sens sensory sensing things, our nervous system, like that's all brainstem, brainstem driven. So we need to make sure that we're addressing that system to turn off the fight or flight of anxiety as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you breathe a certain way, you regulate that system, okay? It literally turns off that mechanism. And, and one of the institutes that I think has done a phenomenal job with what I would call self-regulating is they leverage breath, but the Heart Math Institute has just done incredible things and great research with absolutely heart-focused breathing. And what they've kind of piggybacked on, some of the research that actually goes back, I think, into the 80s or even 70s, that the heart has its own nervous system that actually operates independently of the, the, the brain and the, and the spinal cord and the rest of the nervous system, which is quite fascinating when you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and the next thing that's even more mind-blowing to me is that this cardiorespiratory, the cardiorespiratory, or they call it the heart brain, is actually communicating more to the brain than the brain is communicating to the heart. So there's more ascending communication and the majority of the ascending communication from the heart to the brain is in the parasympathetic system. So for those people that maybe not know what parasympathetic or sympathetic, maybe you've heard these terms before, mm -hmm. your sympathetic system is the fight or flight. Okay. It's, it's the thing that, you know, adrenaline, cortisol gets you muscles, you know, gets the blood flow to your muscles. So you can take off, run, hide, freeze, whatever, go limp. There's yeah. lots of different options there, right? The parasympathetic is regenerative. It's where critical thinking happens. It's, it's basically, I call it the creative and recovery and regenerative side of our autonomic nervous system. And so the reason why I bring this up is the, the communication that goes from the heart to the brain, 80% of those ascending uh, uh, neurology neur uh, uh, communication is parasympathetic, meaning that 80% that of the parasympathetic communicates from the bottom up, from the heart up. Mm. Already of that communication coming from, from the heart to the, coming from the bottom up is from the cardiorespiratory system. So all that to say <laughs> is that when you start to, to do some of the techniques that the Heart Math Institute has, has put out there, which again, I highly recommend people taking a look at, is you doing deep, full breaths while focusing on your heart. Mm. Okay. And I like to even put my hand on my heart. Yeah. 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 Okay? Just connect to the heart area. Okay. It's not about feeling your heartbeat. It's more just putting focus and energy in this area, taking deep breaths and through that process, you're doing a couple things. You're literally telling the brainstem through your breath that we're good. Like there's yeah. no yeah. alarms go off. And you're also leveraging the fact that when you start to focus and bring energy to your heart with that breath, you're also leveraging this communication that's happening from the heart brain up into through the brainstem and, and so on. And so that breath and that focus is, is leveraging a couple of those things, the bottom-up approach, right, to, to regulate. And then you can add in, hey, I'm okay, it's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Then you can start to add in different perspectives, different ways to look at things, belief structures, visualizing, et cetera. When you combine those two things together, this is the thing. And again, it's just like anything else. You're, you're working a muscle, you're training something. But if you really just did like a five minute heart focused breathing every morning and every night, you literally are going to train a capacity to self-regulate that when this alarm system goes off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, Matt, I'm so glad that you did go through that because just like you and I were talking before we went on air, so many things were like, yeah, 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 I should do that, but you know, I'll get around to it. And it seems so easy, like we're and basic. Like you just want me to breathe and put my hands on my heart. How can it have that huge impact in my life? Exactly. Which I'm all about, you know, there's things you can do every day over and over a technique as simple as that, that can have a life changing, talk about hands impact in life, but maybe by you explaining it, they'll now understand, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. That's what it took for me, Sandy, because I would have the same reaction. Oh yeah, sure. Like you understand what's happening in my life. I'm going to breathe. Like I don't got time for this. Yeah, like, yeah. Are you me? <laughs> like meditation, like what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like when the first person had, like offered this stuff to me is when I was at my peak of craziness. No chance, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Like understanding the why. And I, and I obviously took a deep dive because I wanted to understand this. Yeah. And as I understood it, I'm like, oh my God, this makes total sense. And that's why it works. Absolutely. And there's some people like for me, I'm more of a faith, a feeling. I know it works for me, but for many people, I wasn't able to reach them because they wanted the science behind it, Sure. you know, and then they'll more likely to apply it, you know? So huge one, huge one. All right, Matt, as usual, 50,000 things we need to get through and we're only <laughs> scratching the surface. So we cannot wait to have you back because a lot of these things I told people we were going to get to and we're not, but it's still really great stuff. The big one, which is one of your first, ugh, I, I, I just got to understand this a little bit more. Choose meaning over happiness. I, I'm not even sure I know what that means. Yeah. I will, the, 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 the fastest way to explain this is leveraging good old Victor Frankl. Man okay. I don't know who he is. Okay. Uh, he is a Holocaust survival uh, sur- survivor. He was a psychiatrist that survived the Holocaust. And he wrote the book, A Man's Search for Meaning. And one of the key questions he had through this process was how are people like surviving, like why is one person able to manage this and other people not be able to manage it? Like what, what creates resiliency in somebody? Like what gives them the ability to tolerate some things where other people, they can't. And what he concluded by asking this question and observing people is the people that were able to persevere, have the motivation, have the resiliency, were people that tied, that had a meaning to surviving. They tied it to meaning, meaning they, they, they related the surviving to, hey, if I survive, this is what it would mean for my family. This is what it would mean for, you know. Gotcha. I gotcha. Future. Like they had to tie it to meaning. And so, and this is why, this is why we named our thing the arena method. So if you see over my, this is my right shoulder, right? I'm looking <laughs> at myself in the thing. My right shoulder, it's the man in the arena quote by Teddy Roosevelt. And why 
you know, why we, we called it the arena method is kind of based on that quote, which the way that, that what that quote means to me is we're all in this arena of life. Okay. And mm-hmm. we, when we look at it is there are three places you can be just like, just like, like Teddy Roosevelt said, you can be, well, he's, he named two places. You're either in the arena or you're in the stands. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We would take it a step further. Okay. You can be in the arena fighting the fight that means something to you and is worthy of you. It's your fight to fight. Okay. That would be the ideal place to be where I find few people are. They've truly tied what they're doing to something that's meaningful to them. Or you can be in the arena fighting somebody else's fight. And when you're in the arena fighting someone else's fight, you have, you need discipline, you need willpower, you need to muscle yourself through, you got to force yourself to do it. So what do I mean by fighting someone else's fight? You're taking on a belief structure or you're, you're, you're doing the thing you think you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 So I, I did a YouTube thing on the three dirtiest words in the human language and it's need, should, and have, right? So as lo- soon as I'm orienting to need, should, and have, I need to do this. I should have, I should do this. I have to do this. That is a burden instantaneously. Okay. And a lot of people are engaging in their life doing things they think they should be doing. Now, should be doing it based on who? Based on maybe a mentor, maybe a parent, maybe mm-hmm. society. So they're in there trying to get them to do the thing that's actually not tied to what's meaningful to them. And then through this process of forcing their way through this, they're trying to find happiness. That's yeah. a tricky battle, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is. So that's one application of what I mean by pursue meaning over happiness. I gotcha. The other one, that's a little bit more, a little deeper, but the the more we'll call it um, one that maybe people can relate to very well is if happiness is the thing we're trying to find, then what we're doing is we're going to fall more prey to instant gratification. Hey, I'm going to do this because I enjoy enjoy doing this. I'm not going to do this because I don't like doing this. Right. And so now emotions, which are. Yeah, I like that. I like that, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Now emotions are like the weather, man. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like they change. It's, it's very dynamic emotions. You're there. You're happy this minute. Uh, and so emotions are fickle, man. And so if emotions, the thing that's telling us to do the thing or not do the thing, like it's going to be an interesting ride when you, when you, when you, and there's a process to, to connecting to what's meaningful to you. Cause a lot of people, I, I, some people actually get pissed at me when I say, well, well, what's your purpose? Like, what do you hear? I don't know. Why do people even ask me my purpose? I don't know. Like, yeah. Like, I just want to punch you. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And what purpose, I don't mean like, do you want to cure cancer? Do you want to feed? Like, like it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing, but, but purpose is just meaning. And there's a way to discover meaning through certain processes. And, and there's some great stuff out there that help you to tap into that. Obviously, this is not the, 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 the call for that. But when something's meaningful to you, you will have the resiliency to see it through. And there'll be times where it's uncomfortable. You're not happy, yeah. right? It's a yeah. little bit challenging, yeah. right? Yeah. But because yeah. there's meaning attached to it, you have the resiliency to follow through with it. But if, if happiness and the, the desire, yes, it's, uh, you know, uh, Napoleon Hill called it the burning desire in his book, um, you know, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Like he like all of the people that wrote these incredible books that we all know. Right. They, this this theme is there. They're all pursuing meaning at a high level, which gives them the ability to endure what it takes to live the life that they actually came here to live. If happiness is the focus, 
it's a little bit of a wild goose chase because this makes me happy today. It doesn't make me happy anymore. I think I need a new girlfriend. I think I need a boyfriend. It used to make me happy. My job used to make me happy. It doesn't make me happy. I need to find fulfillment. What job, you know what I mean? It's like, no, forget joy, forget fulfillment as a focus. When you connect to meaning in your life, when you drive with meaning in your life, the byproduct is fulfillment. The byproduct is joy. The byproduct is, is happiness, so to speak. And that's what I mean by that. Okay, so what's your meaning, Matt Labosco? Oh, to me, when I connect to what's most meaningful to me, there's a few things. One, it's to extract every drop of life out of life. Like, like some of the people I revere, and this is one of the practices we take people through in our AIM course, which is to tap into what's meaningful to you. Like, even when I just said that, like my eyes welled up a little bit. Mm. Like, th- like there is a, um, one of my people that I've always looked up to, and this is one of the, the pr- exercises we take people through, like who are some of the people you just really admire in your life? And somebody that I've always admired since I was a little kid was Leonardo da Vinci. Because a couple things about him that I, that resonated with, with, with me, and it was his absolute yearning and desire to understand and connect and and learn about all the things there is in this life because at the end of the day we could live 10,000 lifetimes and still not extract the, the what there is to get out of this life experience mm. like there is so much incredible stuff to engage with in the world like this idea that I'm bored is mind-boggling to me like I, I there like yeah. I have, there's so many things I want to learn there's so many things I want to absolutely like, to me I'm I'm my meaning and purpose is to without question to to extract that and do it and the people that I also admire and Da Vinci was definitely one of those guys were people that that they 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 didn't um, succumb to the path that was laid out to them, they created the path that was meaningful to them. Okay. Meaning his path was get a job with the Pope, be the Pope's painter. You've arrived. And he had, of course he had an opportunity to do that. And everyone's like, well, of course you're going to do that. And he's like, yeah, no, I kind of want to figure out this engineering thing. And I think I'm going to build a giant horse out of clay. (laughs) Everyone, how's that sound to everybody? Uh, yeah, you're insane. No, yeah. yes. he's doing the thing that's most meaningful to him. And, and that to me, when I look back on my journey of life, when I feel like I'm in that intense passion and flow, it's when I'm aligned with that. When I, when I feel when I'm struggling and I'm, and I'm forcing my way through things, I stepped out of alignment with mm. that, that meaning, that purpose. And to me, those emotions of, of pain and suffering are an indication that we're we're out of alignment with what we're here to do, with that essence, that signature that yeah. lives every single one of us that is screaming to some of us, right? Other people, it may be more muted, et cetera. There's lots of different variations of that. But to me, that essence, that signature that lives inside of us is where our meaning resonates and vibrates. And there's ways to find out when it's communicating with you and tapping into that and, and really kind of articulating, oh my gosh, like there's a theme here when you take a, take a step back. Yeah. You know, you're combining so many things that I've been working on recently. And, you know, I've been at this a long time. Like everyone teases me, how much self-help can you need? Because I'm so constantly reading and searching. I got books all over the place. I listen to podcasts, but I can immediately tell, but more than ever in the last two years, when I'm not in alignment, my heart, my whole body singes like this. I can feel the tightness immediately 
when I'm like, wait, am I doing this because I really want to do it or someone pushing me and it should. And it's been years and years, you know, of developing now. And then I'm like, whoa, I I don't like the way this feels. And I do the breathing exercises and it's mind blowing how it's changed the direction of where I go and the decisions I make and what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. And I would also say, Sandy, knowing that we've shared some moments with each other in this space, that there were moments where you leaned into discomfort because you knew that the, the meaning and the purpose aligned with me going mm. there. So, okay. Well, well, let's not give me so much credit there, but, no, but the reason why I, <laughs> I went kicking talk- and screaming. <laughs> and that. that's, okay. that's part of the process is why I want to point it out. It's not about always doing the things that feel good. It's about leaning into the things that I know would align with the meaning and the purpose and the impact that I want to have. And yes, I know yes. you've done that. You, yes. didn't want, you did go kicking and screaming and that, that, but it's okay to not want to go. It's okay to yeah. want to quit. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I had faith that there was something on the other side. Well, yes, exactly. And, there, and that is a leap of faith. And there was also a space, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. was provided for you where you were able to be held through that process because it is. Absolutely. And let's just back up there a second. Let's not just blow over that. (laughs) Matt has been one of my coaches, mentors for a while now. And when I was going, which we don't even have time to go into, but when I was in that space, you were there for me to guide me through. Uh, you, uh, You can't do that on your own. I don't care who you are. I didn't what your coaching is, how much you've gone through. You had to hold that space for me when I couldn't hold that space for me. You need that. And the skills and tools to apply while you're in it. So, and that you truly, and this is huge, trust the person and know that they just want the best for you. It's nothing to do about them. Do you know what I mean? Nothing to do about them. They're there for you. And you can feel that. But in order to have that capacity, what you said at the beginning, yes, you have to be holding that space for yourself so you can give in that way. Because that's a huge way to give. You can't hold the state of compassion for somebody when you don't even understand what they're going through. Yeah. Because you haven't been there. And it's not, a, it's not enough to be intellectually understand. You know, there's a great line from Goodwill Hunting, one of my favorite movies where, where oh my God, uh, everyone's talking about that recently. I Why? When, when, um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the, the, uh, Robin Williams says to Matt Damon's character, do you think I know what it's like to be an orphan? Because I read Oliver Twist. I don't even remember and, that line. Oh, it's one of my favorite lines. Cause it was the one way he got, he kind of like was able to crack the shell of, of, of uh, Matt Damon's character. Mm, That's a good one. It's a great one. Um, And it speaks to what you're saying too. Like I can intellectually get it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a completely different reality to understand it, to, to be connected to the experience of it in the heart, et cetera. That's a different game. No, I want to try to get one more thing in there because it was something that a lot of people I get pushback on. So I said, well, we'll ask Matt. Everyone, whether you want to call it trauma or extreme stress has tough situations in their life. Every single person, right? Goes through really tough times. You hear a lot about- Didn't experience trauma. Say that again? I've never met a human that hasn't experienced trauma. 
the big thing, and, and I want you to really, if we can just scratch the surface of this is how do you live in the present moment and not talk about what's going on in the past? And the, the big controversy is there are some therapies that you go in and by talking about it and talking about it, it gives it less power. So if you just keep talking about it, talking about it. The other way is only referring to it if it comes up, but to stay more in the present moment, it doesn't matter what happened in your past. And then there's a lot in between. And people right now are very confused. And maybe there isn't one way, but I'd love to hear from you. So just so I understand the question, the question is, how do I manage trauma? How do I move forward in my life? If I want to, like you said, keep moving forward with growth and meaning, Mm -hmm. do I need to go and talk about the past to move forward? Can I just stay here in the present moment? No. Is there, you know, Like, like there is no way. You, again, it just depends on, there's, there's a lot of like the way you're asking the question is, is creating a, I'm assuming a certain context, meaning I'll, I'll do my best to answer the question in the time we have. Yeah, I know. I just want to scratch because yes. when I brought this up at one of my podcasts, people were just, so you know, they, they, they constantly go to therapy and they talk about it, which gives yeah. it less power. People that just live in the moment, if it comes up. This whole idea of, I, I guess the thing is, I don't think it's a matter of living in the moment or living in the past. Because what, what you have to understand is most people are living in the past. And what I mean by that is you, it's impossible for you not to live in the past from the standpoint of your operating system was built in the past. So if you don't have an understanding as to how the operating system was built, then you're just going to recreate the past over and over again. Okay. So there's, there's absolutely a need to understand how your OS was programmed. And when I say trauma, everybody has experienced trauma. Yeah. Trauma is not something that happened to you externally. Even if something did happen, the traumatic event was not the thing that created trauma. The thing that created trauma is what happened internally as a result of the event. Okay. That's a very important thing to distinguish. Now, the internal experience can happen because something happened that fundamentally shouldn't have happened. Okay. More commonly, the internal trauma or experience is something that should have happened that did not happen. That's actually what more people's trauma are tied to. And so gotcha. Gotcha. This, okay. As, as humans, one of the absolute survival mechanisms that is ingrained in our, our, on our physiology into that brainstem is the attachment bond. Right. So Meaning like when we are born, when we, when we, when we come into this, to, into this, this, this three-dimensional reality, like we have to attach to a caregiver. It's literally a matter of survival. Humans are basically completely helpless when they come into this world. Very different than like, mm. when you see like a deer give, like, give birth, yeah. like they're already yeah. cruising around town. They're way more advanced than we are, yeah. not yeah. even close. And so we're completely dependent on the caregiver, on our parents. It is literally a matter of life and death. You follow me? And so yeah. what happens is we attach, we, we have a bond. It's a literal, it's a matter of life and death. And we will sacrifice so much to keep that attachment bond. And one of the first things we sacrifice is authenticity. Okay. If you really want to understand this specific work, Gabor Mate is the guy to read. 
Okay, that without exception. I mean, there's a lot of great people. Uh, Vessel Vanderkalk, Body Keeps the Score. There's some great stuff. Oh yeah, out. I love that book. Exactly. But but what basically what they're what they're talking about is if me expressing emotion, or let's say you know um, you know, can safety to a child is connection. That's another foundational like need. So safety isn't the elimination of a threat. It's 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 connection. Okay. If I don't feel connected to, to this, this caregiver, it's a light, it's life threatening. So I will do anything I need to do to connect. And because mm-hmm. children, especially babies are the most narcissistic things on the planet. And I don't mean that as a, as a, like, as a negative thing, but a child, like a baby, like, think about it. You cry, someone puts a bottle in your mouth. Yeah, like, the yeah. world is responding to you. You believe you're the center of the universe. Like it's just the experience of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're at work and you cried and someone just brought you a meal. It's like, wow, everybody responds to my needs. So when we're looking for the connection from our caregiver, and they don't have an ability to connect with us. They don't have the, the capacity to hold a space of love or understanding, or they've got mm-hmm. their things they're managing. So they can't tend to the child in the way the child needs it. Then what happens is the, the child immediately assumes that there's something wrong with them. And so what they do is they start to, and they have shown this with eight months old, the child starts to, starts to like literally change the way they're behaving because they assume it's them. That's the problem. So they start to do stuff to get the connection back. Ah, this is. And so what's happening when it's constantly not getting it's traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a whole experience happening literally physiologically and the, and all of this stuff is getting programmed in our deepest unconscious in our nervous system. Again, we're going down a major rabbit hole here in the last two minutes <laughs> of this, but, but it to, wasn't an easy question. And I threw it in at the end. And I'm saying, I guess the answer to your question is I don't think it's possible to move forward and create what people are looking to create without understanding how they got programmed and, and giving themselves permission to look at any way of any behavior they are inside of today, not as a, as a, as a crutch, not as something that's bad, not as something they need to change. My invitation to people would be is to start looking at every behavior you have as something that served you at a point in time, mm. that, that it was something yep. that there because you needed it. It was, it was essential for you to have that yeah. strategy at a point in time. And so if you, instead of pointing at it and trying to eliminate whatever it is, try to understand it, understand why, what is it that maybe at a point in time, this served me. Yeah. yeah. Like this idea of closing your heart. I need to stop doing that. It's a terrible thing. I need to, oh my, I don't love myself. Like, it's like, well, wait a minute. What, what, understand why that mechanism was even created. Yeah. It, it might've like saved your life when you were three. Yeah. And yeah. Closing your heart was essential in that space because of the pain that happened when you opened your heart and got rejected. Yeah. 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 Good point. Good point, we're, Matt. We're going down some, some, some rattles here. <laughs> yeah. When you asked me that question, I'm like, wow. I know. And you know what? It was one of the things you put on your list too. And I was trying to hit the biggest questions. And as always, Matt, when you come on, uh, you're really great at explaining big concepts to everyone so that they go, oh, now it makes sense why that works. And that is a true gift of yours. And I didn't, and I don't, I don't know how to cut it out because like, oh my God, wait a minute. I never heard it quite said that way. 
you know? And it really, I I think for so many, they'll be like, okay, maybe I'm going to give that a shot. You know, now I understand it. So anyhow, we're going to wrap up here. Will you come back sooner than like like two years or a year and a half? Absolutely. I mean, I, I absolutely love like our conversations and connecting and And where we go. Right. But to my listeners and to the people watching, I hope we got to some of the major questions you had for Matt. And if not, please reach out to them. He is so amazing. His team is so amazing. He's going to tell you every which way to find him and his new YouTube channel. And I promise we'll have him back. So Matt, how can they find you? Everything, everywhere. Like I said, I I am, I am definitely in the process of, of putting a lot of content on my channel, my YouTube channel. It's definitely a great place to just, you know, engage with this kind of material, et cetera. And it, and it covers not only the things we're talking about, but also my experience with the physical body and rehabilitation and all the rehabilitation I've done with people over the last 20 years with back pain, knee pain. So it's just kind of a whole, I'm just, the purpose of the channel is to just give people as much content and value as possible. So I'm just constantly putting things on there. It's a, I've got new stuff out there every week. So you can definitely check that out. Uh, MatthewLabosco.com and ArenaMethod.com uh, are definitely um, good places to see what we're up to um, with the classes I'm doing and the events that we do. Um, those are probably the best places to, to, to find. Yeah. All right. One thing that's bothering me, and then we have to move forward. When you said about the baby deer and how they get up right away after they're born, but they do get hit by cars, Matt. There is that, you know? That's true, man. So you got to be (laughs) karma, man. They got to make sure they were born in the place where there's not a lot of roads. So there's that. And also unsolicited. There are so many coaches out there and some are so incredible. I'm going to tell you firsthand that you want to be with someone that has lived this in their life and they're applying it to their life and also has the incredible heart and not just knowledge as Matt Labosco. And there are very few people in the world like you there. And I get to meet a lot of people and I've worked with them for years. I stayed on at first. I was one of his guinea pigs and then I stayed on and your soul and what you want to do in life, I could just, it exudes from every ounce of your body. I'm like, okay, he's not your normal human. (laughs) And I want to coach with them (laughs) because of that gift. And it's, and it's hard to have that balance, you know, of rising up, but still having, you know, that humility you have. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Sandy. It's always- no, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I, you're, I know you're just scratching the surface what you want to do. All right, one, everyone. One thing, one thing I just want to say, sorry. If there are questions that people have or I didn't answer, I'm happy to. And maybe this is something we'll talk about when we get off. If they're like, hey, here are some questions. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll do a video answering the questions. Oh, cool. You know All right. Mean? You heard him. He'll do a video answering the questions. As like a little like, like bonus thing. If somebody wants to yeah. engage, like I'll just throw like send me the questions if we didn't get to them and i'll just you know articulate something that i feel like could be helpful to people and we can we can address it that way too oh that's cool all right my let's keep it real people matt and i would be truly grateful for you to share this like this rate this and subscribe and check them out baby and until next time you know what i'm gonna say toodles thanks for listening 
Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.